0: Hello, and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always
1: friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. Ken. Seth. Welcome back. How are you doing? Welcome back. You know, it's been... It's been a week. Yes. Yeah. It's been an exciting week. I, I just have had, it's been one of those weeks where, you know, I have a process, as many people do maybe. Uh, I'm pretty methodical about at the end of the week, I actually sit down and I've talked about this or we've talked about this before. I sit down and actually, I actually record these days. I reflect back to my organization in a video recording and a weekly little summary email, right. what I've worked on, and I write down what I'm going to work on the next week. Now I found this to be very helpful. I do this on a weekly basis. I do this on a quarterly basis. I do this on an annual basis. It's a it's a it's it's kind of a cheat sheet for me to make sure that I'm focused on the right things. Do you and,
0: record those just for yourself, or you record it for your? Team? No,
1: I'll record it for the team. That started yeah. during the pandemic where. We weren't as in person. Right. And so it sort of started by accident. I actually, I, 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 think, I, I think I've told the story, but my kids had, at the time, teenage kids. Now my daughter's 20, my son's 15. But they had they had introduced me somewhere along that time frame to TikTok. Mm. And I was like, uh, I you know, and, and go flashback to early days of pandemic, the white-knuckled days of fear and uncertainty and, and, uh, I was like, I, I gotta talk to the team. And, and of course, you know, I have a, a global team. and uh, But I wasn't seeing any of them, I was at right. home. And so I was like, I'm gonna point my camera at my face, my phone at my face.
0: Right.
1: And I'm gonna record, like, we're gonna get through this together. Hmm. This is what I know, this is what I don't know. Here's what I'm gonna do next week. And the next week I did a, an update as well. And I got really positive feedback from this. And we use some, you know, internal technology and stuff. And uh, I, literally the, the audience for this has grown to the hundreds and thousands in, internally, just in my organization. Yeah. And it became a habit that I got such positive feedback on this, just this method of just recording my thoughts and what I'm working on. Uh, but I had one of these weeks. So back to this week. So I had one of these weeks and it happens, right? Is... I had said I was going to do some things, you know, and I do this, uh, and it's funny too because the team makes fun of me because I do it it for Fridays. And so my weekly routine is always, hey, everybody, happy Friday. Here's what I'm doing. And, uh, of course, this Friday, I, um, you know, I said some things I was going to work on. And as is the way of life and the universe in Murphy, uh, that got derailed by – immediate concerns and that that happens yeah. for so many of us but yeah no so that's been my week is like I'm, I'm i'm reorienting myself back towards those
0: things that i'm trying to get done it's it, uh, two things about this is like one is that it's such a great tool for communication i mean i wish more leaders would lean into this kind of a thing it doesn't have to be video but just the idea of communicating with people being more transparent this is what i'm thinking about this is what i'm working on this is what i'm working on next next week these are my goals like it really teaches people that that is a that is a thing that they ought to be doing as well Mm. and there's something really powerful about the captain of the ship saying this is what's going on this is what i'm working on this is where i'm headed because then everybody kind of like no one's asking themselves what did you hear you know, they're, they're all, like, they're all, like, really clear. That's
1: well, I, I got to say, one of the things that's made it so, uh, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, for me, one of the things that's made it so impactful or so useful is getting into the practice of actually a, a, a habit, creating a habit of sitting down and thinking about, okay, what, what are my priorities for next week or next quarter? Right. You know, on a regular basis and documenting it and Creating a channel where I can be held accountable to it. Right. Because right. if I share it, if I say it out loud, then I have to be accountable to it. Because people will ask me, Did you did you do the thing? Did you do the three things you right. said were your top priorities? Right. Did I get an update on that? You know, right. could I ask you a question about that? I might have an idea about that. It actually created this accountability for me that I became very effective in, in making me stay focused yeah, on what's important to the organization and, and, and explaining why. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to go work on strategic planning for, you know, this this whatever part of our business next week and come up with a roadmap and, you know, and, like, and then people could ask me, well, did you do it? Yeah, how'd it go? How'd it go? Yeah. Like, what's the update on that? And it created an accountability that was
0: more transparent. And then when things get disrupted, like – you know, it sounds like which happen, right? Sometimes happens. that happens, right? <clears throat> things get disrupted, and then, and then you, you know, it's not the end of the world, right? You can be like, okay, some things happen, like we have yeah. to move some things around, and then they get to also see you how you handle that, right? Because I, I think just to, I'm going to put it out there, some leaders will, I'm not going to say lie, I'm not going to say that they actually lie, but mm. they will, they will bend the truth. They'll say like. Well, we did actually do the things. I did actually do the things that I said I was going to do. It. yeah spin it a little <laughs> bit, right? A
1: little bit. Yeah, there's this idea that leaders have to be, and I think actually, I think this idea comes well, it comes from two directions, but I think leaders are as accountable for this as the organization, which is this idea that leaders are infallible. right. 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 And it's like, well, we said we are going to do the thing. Let me show you how we did the thing, even when we didn't do the thing.
0: I'm going to say something about this. This is mm-hmm. a perfect lead-in to our topic for today. Yeah. Because we th- leaders think that they sh- – the, the myth is that they're supposed to be infallible. And I think we – when we're kids, we think adults are infallible. Right. Right. And what's today's topic? It's, well,
1: today's topic – we said this last week was it's adult swim only. It's about – I guess the easy way to describe this, the shorthand way, is what does it mean to bring your adult self to work, and what do
0: we expect out of each other as adults? So let's start off, Ken, just like, let's talk a little bit about, you know, so I I just gave this example of this. When we're kids, right, we look at the adults, and we think that they just know, they're supposed to know what they're doing. When we're teenagers, we think they don't know anything, but like when when we're kids, we think they know everything, and and that infallibility, that assumption that we have about adults, if we carry that with us into our adulthood, it can be really confusing. Mm. Right? You, can, you know, if you're if you're a first time parent, if you're doing anything for the first time, you're gonna, as an adult, you're gonna feel really confused because you don't know, <laughs> you don't know what you're doing <laughs> well, yeah. most of the time.
1: Well, I mean, there's, there's, oh gosh, so many sides of this. And, you know, I mean, I'm just going to say as a, on a personal note, you know, as a as a, as a parent, as a father of two emerging adults, right? And, and I host exchange kids as well who are also, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. And my 20-year-old daughter, my 15-year-old son, like trying to develop like the adulting practices. So I have a whole set of feelings on yeah, this right. to help support them. And then, of course... The other two sides of this as a leader is, you know, I want to bring in, you know, I have all the pressures of being that quote unquote infallible leader in an organization, but I also want to set up the other adults I work with. And I, I want to ground that in a story that kind of came out during the pandemic. Or I guess it was early post pandemic days when we were starting to like, okay, we can go back in the office now if we want to. Right. You know, we have some choices to make. And I think this is representative of many, not, not all organizations, because let's recognize that a lot of organizations and a lot of the services, et cetera, that we rely on, and I work with too, you know, many people didn't have the luxury, frankly, of going remote, working from home, et cetera. Mm. Okay. But we have this mixed environment. And we're all starting, we all have been uh, through this period of time where we're trying to readapt to, um, uh, you know, back to the office. Do we want to go back to the office? We, uh, you know, maybe we're part of a distributed organization like mine um, where we've really leaned into staying connected through the pandemic and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, we've learned a lot over the past years. And so as we were coming through this period, uh, one of my colleagues asked me, He said, okay, you know, and and I think he had two dimensions. He said, you know, one is a people leader, which I am, and two is a technology leader, which we're using to stay connected, right? He said, what expectations are you giving your team, your organization, on the return to the office? Mm. And I said, I don't care. And he said, No, I mean, like, you know, no, like how many, like how many days a week? I mean, I know we're going into hybrid and flexible, but how many days a week are you suggesting that go back in the office?
0: Did you codify it? What's the print? You know, this goes back to our conversation about HR, right? Like, you know, what are the protocols around And I said, I don't care. Right.
1: And he said, no, I mean, like, you know, about people need expectations and they need, you know, kind of like some guidelines. And I said, I have a fundamental principle in hiring which is
0: I only hire adults. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: And I believe that adults know where they need to be to be most effective.
0: There's a piece in that too, Ken. Like you, you you know, I want to talk a little bit, hear what you have to say a little bit about what you mean by I only hire adults. Like I don't know if the listeners really are all going to understand exactly what that looks like Um, because we all, you know, we're not hiring children literally, right? Like so what does that mean? And the second thing is like, you know, there's a piece in there where – I think you also have to treat them like adults. Oh, right.
1: Seth, this is the subversive part of it. Yeah. Because you said we're not hiring children, but we sometimes, and there's a reason, and I want to I unpack this a little bit, but there's a reason why we sometimes treat our colleagues like children. Right. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, way before the pandemic, I would actually, I used to, Use this phrase. I said policy, like company policy, which we have a lot of company policies. Every company has policies. I think you've given some examples before in the past, but I said policy is basically organizational scar tissue. Yeah. Somebody did something wrong, right? They did. They did something wrong. They bought a bunch of <laughs> whiteboard markers that they shouldn't have bought. Right. Uh, you know, and so we created a policy about how you buy whiteboard markers, right? And but. It was one person out of 5,000 that bought right. too many whiteboard markers. And now we have a policy, and we have a handbook that it, and I'm, I, I'm not arguing against a handbook of expectations. But when you get it to the level where, well, there's a form you have to fill out, and you got to go to the form and you got to go to the, the, the closet and you got to go to the whatever. And you know, it, it becomes so restrictive that, look, I don't know. Be reasonable about what you spend on whiteboards. If you don't do so, back to my. Co- there's conversation. a tension.
0: Let's just make sure we, we name the tension. There's a tension there, right? So, like you're growing, you're scaling, you're coming up with policies, as we talked about in the past, to like deal with that with that um, chaos that can come when you have too many people working for you. And then, as you said, that the scar tissue kind of forms and in and, and calcifies a little yeah. bit, like it, yeah. it, it becomes rigid, and then you are unable to. Um, you're not able to be flexible, you're unable to like be responsive, right? Because you have to go through too many layers, the bureaucracy, yeah. the red tape. And you are talking about a middle ground.
1: Yeah. Well, this was the the, the how I kind of carried that conversation with my colleague forward. He was like, you know, what is the expectation you're setting for the team? And I said, look, they're adults. I expect them to be where they need to be in order to be most productive. And if they have a question, I expect them to ask.
0: There's a thing in there I want to say that, that we have to call out, which is that you are also saying, I hire, I, I hire adults. I treat them like adults. And they all know what I'm – there isn't an expectation about them being in a particular seat, but there isn't an expectation about outcomes yes. that they've agreed to. Yes. Right? And that outcome thinking is really hard because it's so much easier to be like, you got to be in your assigned seat. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, you sit in the blue seat, and like yep. that's that's easier. We feel like good managers when everyone's sitting in their assigned seat. Yep. Right. But like that has nothing to do with outcome.
1: Yeah, and I, that's I think why I think, and I wanted to, I, I did want to like dig into this a little bit um, together because I think in the, in the discussion when I because it 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 felt very. I mean, it, hell, it didn't even feel subversive. It felt revolutionary when I was like, no, I'm just going to just, you're an adult. Tell me where you need to be. Right. And because so many of our companies, so many of our cultures have not worked that way in the past. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you need to be in the blue seat, nine to five. You need to be where I can see you. I need to know that you're logged on and typing and whatever. And that is all input-based and not outcome-based. And and I also, th- I think mm. one of the things that it's created, and I've thought a lot about this in the past months, weeks, years, um, it limits the potential of the people you're hiring. Because I think what it does, if you, if you really are focused on that control mentality, I need to know where you are, I need to know that you're doing a thing, rather than I need to know that you're working to this output you're telling the team in a way, you're telling the people you hire in that way that what you do is
0: more important than what you produce. Yeah. Right. So what you do what you do, how you do it, and the fact that I can see it. Yeah. Right. The fact that I could measure it is more important to me than the outcome. And
1: and, and and I totally understand. And I, I think this is the reason why that's so common and so safe is because we base those expectations, those expectations of what you do on our experience of what's worked in the past. We base that on, well, I know I was successful this way. I grew up through the organization this way. I have this set of SOPs or these protocols this way. And I know if you repeat this pattern, I'm gonna get this outcome. But it leaves very little room for the people that you work with to bring ideas, creativity, energy, yes. and innovation. Let's
0: let's do a let's do a little let's step back a minute and, mm. and do a little call out of, of a thing. There's a we're talking about you're you're primarily talking about I don't know, software developers, you know, people who yeah. are who are in this who are working in this digital world and uh, I imagine if you're listening and you're an ops person, you're a manufacturing person, you might be like, yeah, no, it is actually measurable. It is actually like, I need to just stand in this exact, there's an X on the floor. You got to stand here and you got to like move the things from one conveyor belt to the other conveyor belt at exactly the same rate, otherwise, you know, whatever the, uh, yeah, right. whatever the thing is like that is, that's where that mentality comes from. It comes from the factory floor because the idea that, um, you know, the, the, the innovation that uh ford brought to the automobile industry was the idea that we could you could squeeze efficiency out of people by really being very prescriptive about their motions and and how they use their where they are in space and time and we've brought that we we brought that in the 50s and 60s we brought that into the corporate world in the '80s. You know, IBM was trying to operate like yeah. that, right? You probably even worked at a couple of those places where like people tried. <laughs> to, you I were in the army, the like you know. It's like you know. There's this there's this prescriptive ah, yeah. quality, right?
1: But but well, it's it's a great it's a great uh, example and metaphor. Um, so you're right. That was kind of the mass produce. But it doesn't um, work. Automation. Well, and it we doesn't
0: know- work for this kind of.
1: It didn't even work for the automotive industry because if you fast forward from the 50s and 60s when we had mass standardization and efficiency focus to what Toyota and the Japanese automotive industry did was they brought this concept of lean and they brought the concepts of stand-ups and gimbal boards and things where they were really saying everybody on the manufacturing floor is responsible for quality and efficiency. Yeah, that was if the innovation. Anybody. Right. Anybody can suggest right. an improvement. But
0: we can't get over the idea. We are so fascinated. It's, mm. it's actually, and this is my little politics coming through, it's actually a fascist idea. This <laughs> idea that, like, that only the people up top right. can, can know whether what you're doing has value. Yeah. And that is so ludicrous. It's been debunked. So many times that this is actually not true. Well, the I military doesn't even operate this nobody way. Like,
1: no, the military absolutely does not. But this is the this is the the needle in the balloon, like poking the hole in the balloon, is the idea that a leader is the. Only source of value, the only person that can actually measure value, is so to your point, is so ludicrous that because the infallibility of the leader, like this is the part where this is this This is the part part.
0: about the adult, like so. If you have that fantasy of the adult being the the perfect being and and never makes a mistake, Mm. then the leader is the adult, right? Right. And that makes everybody on the everybody who works under you a child, and you treat them like children. So you're like, show me your work. Show me what, you know, what do you what, what were you doing between the hours of 3 and 4? But I, w- yeah.
1: I, I want to say, like, this is the part, too, that is so hard. And the reason why this is so difficult for so many organizations is because to acknowledge that you are not the person with all the answers.
0: Oof. Right? Oh, what an ego blow. <laughs> it's what so an hard. Ego blow.
1: It can be so difficult to say, you know, because I, I asked a question. I was talking to one of my team at one point. I said, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I was like, what should we do about this problem? And he's like, well, if it was up to me, and this is, I think I've told the story, and it's like, well, what if I told you it is up to you?
0: Yeah. Because
1: you're a grown up with good ideas, and I I mean I'm in a flip side, and here's the other hard part about this. So the number one hard part as a leader is to acknowledge you may not have all the answers and that other people in the organization might. And you need to create space for them to suggest, make suggestions yeah. and improvement. And, and know that, and, and as a leader, you're probably gonna have experience that you're gonna be able to weigh that mm. and make a decision or talk through the decision mm. and the consequences and the trade-offs and all those things you gotta do. All of that's hard. The second hard part of this is when you decide to treat your organization, your people, your individuals as adults, the other the flip side of that is accountability because if I tell if I say look I need you to be where you need to be to be most productive and I've got to say like in all my career in decades literally decades of, of career and, and I've always sort of had this philosophy it's certainly gotten crisper and you know more enabled uh, through technology over the last you know several years but I've always had this philosophy for example I'm I people will tell me like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be out I'm gonna be away from my desk from two to three this afternoon and my answer to that is I don't care yeah like you don't need to tell me that just make sure you get your work done and make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you if they need to in an emergency and I'm good I know it's a little controversial my HR colleagues will yell at me but I'm like look I just need to make sure the work gets done that's my job and in all my career of leading literally thousands of people across multiple organizations have always said, if you abuse that trust, I will know.
0: Mm,
1: right. And I will hold you accountable. Right. And I've had exactly two incidents out of thousands of people of somebody yeah. really taking advantage of that. And, you know, for whatever reasons, and the context doesn't matter. But the, 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 the lesson there is that very few people, will not rise to the challenge of being held accountable if you offer them that expectation.
0: I want to talk about this piece about holding people accountable. I want to get to that and and what that is about being an adult. I mean, that really is about being the adult leader uh, Mm -hmm. and treating people like adults. But before I do that, I want to talk. There's this thing you're talking about, about like um, the leader who thinks that she has to make every decision or she has to do everything or nothing happens unless she touches it. And that, that is very – you know, most people get to the leadership position because they are drivers, because mm-hmm. they are doers, because mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they, they shine. You know, the, the CEO is like that, you know, Ken Grady, he's somebody. He's, he's really shining. He's like he's showing me something. Mm-hmm. Promote him. And the problem is that you get into a leadership place and you try to drive – Hmm. You try to lead by driving, by touching every single project, and you break it. You break everybody. Everybody starts behaving like um it's it's the the children analogy is just scared children. Like yeah. they 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 don't have any self confidence, they constantly check themselves with the person in charge, they constantly say, Is this okay? Is this okay? And then as the driver, you always have to say no. <laughs> right. Because it wasn't your thing.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, again, a, an element of taking it. And again, this is one of the scary parts is you know how you used to do it. Right. And so... why you were successful. Why you were successful. Right. That's how you got to this role. Right. And so you know that if somebody else will only just do it the way that you used to do it, then it'll be perfect. Right? You'll get to the same outcome. Well, uh, sometimes that's repeatable, but often it's not.
0: I have a, I have a story about this, um, if you don't mind my sharing. Yeah. It's like a, a friend of mine told me this story. I won't use his name because I didn't get his permission. But like he told me this story about he was he was a driver. He was put in a leadership position, and he drove his team. I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't think. It was a startup kind of environment. He thought nothing happened unless he just rode those people and made sure that they did it, kept checking in with them. And, what have you done? What are you doing more? Could you do more? And like... And then his life kind of blew up. Like he just, mm. like his personal life just kind of came, came apart and he was so distracted. He couldn't, he, his, his motto before this was to be the most prepared person in the room. Mm. He had all the answers before anybody else did. So his driver, and I think you know some leaders like this, like, <laughs> you know, he had, he had all the answers before. I might have tried to be that leader Yeah, at that's one point, right. yeah. And, and he said that like he found himself in a position where he couldn't do that he didn't have the he didn't have the bandwidth to to actually in the emotional bandwidth to actually sit down and do all the learning so he came in just with a bunch of questions mm. and he just started asking questions and he he felt like a failure he thought he was having the worst year ever he thought he was just a mess and at the end of the year it was the most productive year he ever had. And from that moment on, he said, I've never led the other way again. Yeah. I've only led this way.
1: I actually think, I think that, oh, I love that example of leading through questions, which is a skill that I continue to try and work to develop, (laughs) quite frankly. I would say I'm not the best at it because I I have been the leader that wants to be prepared, that wants to know all the answers, that wants to have the detail and data And what I have found over the years is that it it really doesn't scale. Mm. And, you know, I've worked in startups. I've worked in large uh, pharma companies, global companies, you know, and everything in between. And I I recognize the differences between those modes. Mm. But I think if you're leading an organization, you're trying to scale an organization, grow an organization and develop leaders behind you, which I'll go back to one of our previous conversations, is one of our primary responsibilities. I
0: love that you're bringing that back in because that's a big part, right? Yeah. If you you treat them like children, you will never get adults. You'll never get adults. You'll never get leaders.
1: And we have to think of our legacy and we have to think of those that are coming up behind us and those that we want to set up for success. And in order to do that, this leading through questions creates this space where people can offer their perspective and their expertise and know that they're not only allowed to, they're expected to, and they're going to be treated with respect, you know, accordingly when they do so. And you're going to get, you're going to benefit. This is the part that I think is such a magical, once you, you, like, like your friend that shared that story. Once he realized, oh, my goodness. Right. I don't have to do everything. Oh,
0: my goodness. I tell leaders. I have a whole team
1: uh, that of experts that I've hired for their expert or trained for their expertise, love it. so to speak. I can ask them to do their job and expect good things.
0: And when we say ask them, you know, th- when people talk about empowering, like people say, like, oh, I like can empower people. Like, that's what, that's what we mean. Mm. Right? <laughs> that's what we mean. We mean – we wait, wait, ask them hey i tell i tell leaders all the time ken when i'm working with them people when they when they're at this point they're like i can't drive anymore i can't do i can't we've reached the team has reached a point they're not they're not the right team and i said well if you let this go and you just sort of let them do their thing and you like encourage them ask them questions you trust them you're going to find that you have a lot more time on your hands
1: yeah yeah which is a really really scary place Right. I, I would say, like, as a leader, this is the thing. And, and, and I've, I've dealt with this over the course of my leadership journey is, you know, again, like you said, like a, a part of my own personal success at in, in different points of my career was because I, I was the master of all detail. Yeah. And when I ask people and, you know, for different reasons, one, I'm developing people. I want successors. I want growth. I need to go focus on this other thing. So I need you to handle this detail. Scary to let go of that. Because what if they do it differently than you would? Right. Right. What What if they're smarter? Right. What What if if they do it? Oh, my God. What if they do it better than you would? Right. Well, here's the key. Here's the, here's the, the prize in that if your team does it better than you would, you win.
0: Yeah. If, if if you can put your ego aside. If you
1: can put your ego right? aside. If you
0: don't make it personal, if you don't make it about you. If it's you, not personal. If it's not personal.
1: I've heard that someplace.
0: Can, we, can <laughs> we get back? Let's get back to the accountability piece. Yeah. so It's a key part. How, how do you recommend, how do you teach your managers to hold people accountable? What does that actually look like for you? Yeah,
1: so I think this is the key other side of the coin. You know, if I'm going to treat you like an adult, I'm going to hold you accountable for your decisions. That sounds scary. That sounds like tough boss. Can we
0: can we can we make a distinction between holding someone accountable and blaming?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, what a great what a great distinction. So, you know, holding someone holding myself accountable. I hold myself accountable for my own decisions. What does that mean? Because I'm realistic about did I achieve the intended outcome here? Could I have learned something? Do I need to learn something along the way? Uh-huh. And have I incorporated that learning into future actions? Mm. And that's a similar conversation I have with my team, you know, my direct reports, my, my broader team about, look, this is not about expecting perfection. This is about expecting improvement. And are we making measurable, uh, meaningful steps towards improvement and better outcomes? Are we achieving the thing we set out to achieve did we fail to take a decision? This is actually the the the, the probably the most common uh, challenge we have in organizations. Did we fail to take a decision? Not did we decide the wrong thing? Did we fail to take a decision?
0: So let's let's just let's make ourselves sure ourselves accountable. To let's that? just make sure we, we say what that is. What does that mean? Take a decision. What does that mean? What do you mean by like um, like what's the difference between making a bad decision and making and not making a decision at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think without to, to try and create this kind of uh, across industries, you know, there's a lot of things. I don't know. Maybe we've got a manufacturing issue or a vendor issue. We've got a vendor that's not doing a good job. you know, And you know that, but you kind of let them get away with it. And you, you haven't called them to the table to go deal with that. Mm. You know, okay, that's going to have a continued drag on... And I think this is a, more, a very common issue. Uh, a cont- it's not to say that something's going to fail tomorrow, but you have a continued drag on your productivity or your output. Um, that's failing to make a decision. That's failing to actually deal with a problem. And failing to deal with a problem creates a kind of an organizational headwind. That I think that's, that's the difference between your kid not doing their homework and, and waiting to study for the test, you know, until the night before versus actually taking a proactive measure and saying, I need to help prepare myself for this or deal with this. And that's the difference between coasting and acting as an adult and taking ownership of the issue.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a skill set in here that you're describing, which is, uh, and this is when I say blame, blame is like, you made a bad decision or you did that wrong or you, you know, just basically shaming and and saying you, which is, let's face it, that's the easiest, that's the easiest default. We can all, I mean, anyone can do that. Mm. But the part that I think is like interesting is when you say you knew this was a big problem and you sat on it for 36 hours Mm. before you asked anyone for help. Right. Like that kind of feedback, just saying that out loud, you know, like, do you think that was a good idea? Well, I think this
1: this builds on. Oh, I love that you said that because I think it builds on our last conversation about when do you need to be a tough boss and how do you be a tough boss with kindness and grace, but in a way that's constructive. Right. Because that's the difference is when I say that I'm going to treat people I work with as adults, it comes with a set of Freedom, but all this also the set of accountability. Which is, as an adult, if you walk by a dirty cup on the ground,
0: right, pick it up,
1: and you don't pick it up, <laughs> pick it up. Like, what's what's going on there? Like, you're not helping in the situation. So, my expectation is that you're always thinking about how to like, like, we're we're here for a common purpose. We're we're here to improve. Right now, if you walk, if you're the person that set the dirty cup down, I'll talk to you about that. But it's really not about blame. It's about how do we Come to, we're here for a common purpose, right? Yeah, right. So, did you think about like how are you adding value? How are you? How are you helping the organization
0: move forward? Well, tell me what you think about this example. I'll use my my uh, my youngest son's in college. He's a freshman in college, and he uh, called me up, and he's he's taking a lot of literature courses, a lot of lot of reading courses, ton of reading, mm. and he has Friday he has no classes and he called me up and he was like, "Well, last Friday I didn't I I didn't do anything. I kind of like spaced it out and I didn't do anything and, and it killed me. Like I I couldn't catch up. So this Friday I really have to do some work." Good job. And I was like, "Okay, great. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan." Friday, he calls me up and he's or Saturday, he calls me up and he's like, "Ah, I didn't I didn't really um or no, sorry, Sunday. Anyways, Sunday he we're talking, and he's like, "I didn't really do. I only did like an hour worth <laughs> of work on Friday." And I and I said to him, and this is a very important thing for me because uh, I want to be like, "Why didn't you do more?" <laughs> right? right, right. You should do more, and and that's a problem. If I say you should do more, who cares more about his studies, him or me?
1: Well, who who benefits from his studies?
0: No, but that's what I'm trying to say. If I say you should have, yeah right, already he's got to worry about his studies and what I think about him. Yeah. We, but if I say to him, how'd that work out?
1: Yeah. Well, you just mm-hmm. changed I mean, there's two different things. One was I'm creating judgment in this moment. Yep. And the other is I'm asking you as a fellow adult. To assess. To assess. Right. And you're creating a space. How'd that work out for you?
0: How'd that work out for you? <laughs> is, that, is that, would you do that again?
1: Yeah. That way? Right? It's kind of like, did that give you the outcome you wanted?
0: And this is an important thing because I'm using him as an example because he's still young and he's still looking for my, this is an important distinction, he's still looking for my disapproval. Mm. He's still looking for me to say, you need to do X. Oh. Right?
1: Seth, I love that you brought Because- this happens in the workplace all
0: the time. This happens in the workplace all the time.
1: And and as leaders, we need to understand like a lot of our whether I mean it's not just newer employees or younger employees or whatever. Um, I think all the way through the ranks. I just, hell me right. I actually want my boss's approval. I want my boss's approval and feedback. I need him to occasionally say to me, Ken, you're doing a good job, right? And here's why I think that's true. That is very real. That's a pressure on leadership yeah. is to find ways to express our feedback and approval, and there are good systems to do that, etc. But and this is where you're creating, or or introducing a potential tension into the conversation is, if I say to you, "How'd that work out for you?" I'm asking you to step out of your box, right. And actually think, because it's very easy for me, not to say this is oversimplifying, but very easy for me to go in as a individual contributor and I do my job every day and I, I produce the widgets, I throw out the code, I do whatever, and I feel satisfied and I go home. And every few months I want you to provide me feedback on that, but if I actually ask you to be an adult and pick up the, I also expect you to pick up the paper cup on the ground. Right. Well, that's not in my job description right right so that's that's actually creating a little bit of extra layer of expectation and that can be really uncomfortable for both sides right right but of course we know number 1 we all say i i think this is maybe a stereotype but i think we all say we want to be treated as adults i don't want to be treated as a child i don't want to be overly prescribed in my expectations of my work i don't want to i don't want you to tell me i have to sit in the blue chair Tuesdays and Thursdays I want the freedom to choose how I can best affect my job. Yes. So, okay. The flip side of that comes with all right. Great. Now I need you to think.
0: Yeah. Yes. And that is scary. It's scary. It's scary. Because right? I, I, you know, I'll say in my career. I mean, one of the scariest things about starting my own business and doing this was that there was no one to turn to and say, mm-hmm. you know, hey. I'm thinking of doing this thing. What do you think? Like, you know, there's nobody there um, except for myself, and I'd be like, "Don't do it. You're an idiot." Like, you know, it's like. Um, but there, but there's this tendency to want the freedom to not be told you have to sit in the blue chair or you have to sit in the cafeteria. You yeah. have to go to leak you know, whatever. You have to log in at this time. Like, we don't. We, we want that. Oh, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. Like, I let me let me do my thing. But we, but we don't want the risk. That I might do something that is like like that freedom to think, the freedom to problem solve. Like what if I get in trouble? What if I yeah. am, well, you know, what if I do the wrong thing? Or what if you don't like it? You know, what if you don't validate it?
1: Well, I think of this, I, I sort of think of this, and I've only recently, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but this is the phrase I've been thinking about, not using act, out loud. But I think of this as kind of like, look, if I want to create an activated culture, mm. an activated organization. The only way to do that is to all of us be on some sort of equal footing in terms of expectations of one another, how we're going to support one another. And that doesn't mean that we all have the same role. We have different roles. But I want this culture where the organization is all working towards the same purpose, that we all understand the mission, and we're all able to make decisions within our space to get us towards that. And it doesn't have to kind of be this bureaucratic level of approval, but you could make a decision in your space and trust that I'm going to trust you that you've operated with the best intention based on the information right. available to you. And
0: this is where the psychological safety concept yeah. comes into play because there has to be some, like, boundaries around that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, are you are you starting a meth lab in the kitchen? <laughs> you know, maybe that's not such a great idea. That's like, not a good idea. Right? So uh,
1: we, we you know, for my organization, we actually founded Guiding Principles, mm. which helped us make decisions right. around how do we do certain things? How do we Love that. think about certain things? Love that. Things? You know, and it's it's things like planning for scale, planning for failure, you know, like, I want to know that we have, we're all thinking about what happens when this thing breaks, because I work in technology and technology breaks. And I don't need to approve the way that we do that. What I need to know is that we're thinking about it that way. And I trust my team to...
0: So that's, that way. so that's a great example. And we test it. That's a great example because what that does is it creates this opportunity for you to have an adult conversation mm. with people. In other words, I don't need to check your code. Right. I just need to understand, like, how could this break? Yeah. Did, did you think about it? Did you come up with some plan? You know, well, and
1: we established guardrails to say if your code breaks on a regular basis – we're going to go lean in deeper. Yeah, right. Right? We establish right. some guardrails to, you know, or if I see multiple paper cups on the ground, just use that metaphor. Okay, let's go figure out where that's coming from. So we, right. we double check each other. And this is, this is actually part of the trust of working as adults and working to the same purpose is they're mm. kind of cross balance checks where we check each other and say, hey, I see something going wrong here. What's going on?
0: Right. What's going on now? I'm gonna. Can we flip this a little bit? Yeah. Cause I want to talk about what it means to be an adult. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about treating people like an adult. We're talking about hiring adults. We're talking about this culture about you adulthood. know <laughs> adulthood, like how to like make you know hold people accountable, but not like blame and shame, not like tell them where to go all the time. Being a grown up is hard. It's true. It's really hard, and I think that I mean taxes. Taxes. <laughs> well, there's just you know, there's like things that that there are so many things that I would like someone to come and do. Mm. So many things mm. about my life that I think I feel sometimes like, I remember when I was in my 20s, I mean, this is actually much earlier. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how old I was. I was in my early 20s. And like, it snowed. And I was I was living somewhere and I came out and I looked out at the walkway yeah. and I just said, Wow, I really hope someone can come and do this. <laughs> and then I like, I like stood there for a minute and I realized, like, oh no. And then you
1: realized you lived in Maine. I'm the guy. and you're the guy.
0: <laughs> I'm the guy. And I'm like, do I even have a shovel? And I'm like, but I don't want to do this. Like I'm tired. Like, and it was this whole series of like scary realizations that this isn't gonna happen unless I do it. yeah, right? and And so talk to me a little bit about your grown up, like, Like, what does being grown up mean to you?
1: Oh, boy. I think, I mean, maybe that gets easier over time. And I mentioned that I have two emerging adults, and we have some of those conversations about filing taxes. Right. And how do we help people through that transition? Uh, The best thing I think that I've offered to them, and I I hope I offer to my team, is when you don't know, ask. Right. Hard. 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 okay
0: in in that Ken there's a thing that you're trying to tell your kids that some of us were told some of us didn't actually get ever get told this like <laughs> like like you like being an adult does not mean you're supposed to know
1: yes oh gosh and being a leader does not mean you have to know either um, just to keep pulling it back to the work thread being an adult doesn't mean you have to know everything being a leader doesn't mean you have to know everything in fact the reason you work with other humans, is because you don't.
0: Okay, but let's talk about the so that so yes, you don't have to know everything, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you also like embrace ignorance. No. What, what, what do you What do you What do you do, Ken? Like, how do you manage this tension between being in charge, knowing that you can't know everything, and also not being like you know doo 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 like I'm showing up today. I wonder what's <laughs> going on. Like. How do you make that? I mean,
1: I think I think all of us should, hopefully, have a desire for continued improvement, continuous improvement, and development, and growth, and learning, and creating those cultures of saying, "Look, if I ask, if I if 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 we've brought you together, it's because your expertise, your knowledge, your efficiency, your productivity, or any of these words, but we can all get better by learning from one another," and I really mean this. I've never worked with anybody that I can't learn from, learn something from. Yeah. And this is a thing I think that makes, oh, gosh, I think this is a fundamental thing of this topic we're talking about is how do you make somebody this, and maybe this is part of your question is how do I make it feel like I'm treating you like a fellow adult?
0: Okay. I have an example. Mm. I have an example. I know that I have to have a hard conversation with you. I know I have to have a hard conversation. Maybe it's something like, you said something, it hurt my feelings. Mm. Like, you know, it was sort of like a little cross the line and I, I've, been, I've been bothered by it and I don't wanna like, or, or maybe it's something where like you made a mistake mm. and you don't realize you made a mistake. And it's a big mistake and I have to like pick up the pieces and I need to talk to you about it because I need I need you to know that you can't do that thing again. You can it right? right here on air right. on the podcast. Yeah, I'm <laughs> making this example up. And so so like I the question is, am I kicking that can down the road? Yeah. Am I trying to do this passively? Yeah. Am I trying to get someone else to do this for me? This is this is I see managers do this all the time. I see leaders do this all the time. They will tell someone else to deliver the bad news mm. to Ken. Can you let – we did this to our our kids. We were like, can you go tell so-and-so that stop mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kicking the door? And, like, it, it, is, it is a – I don't want to deal with the conflict. I don't want to deal with the bad feelings. I don't want to see you get upset.
1: Oh, so I Seth, don't wanna... you're naming a thing that I think – I'm so glad you brought us to because in order to treat other people like adults and – set the expectations that they're adults, we also have to act as adults. Yes. Right? We have to be able to have those conversations in a safe way, in a gracious way, in a constructive way, right? But we can't neglect our own responsibilities.
0: And adults do the hard things.
1: Adults shovel the walkways.
0: Adults shovel the walkways. And, like, what I think gets confusing is sometimes we over-identify with the fact that I shovel the walkways and that makes me an adult Mm. when, like, what I'm not doing is I'm not having the direct conversation with somebody. Right. Right? The, The adult is always choosing to lean into the thing that they know they need to do Okay? It's not hard things just for the sake of hard things.
1: Back up. I want you to say that again. That's really
0: important. We lean into the things that we know we need to do that are important to the overall arching my own growth, your growth, the growth of the organization, the health of our family. We lean into those things and we say those things out loud. We are honest and in, in, in sincere, and we are also with compassion, right? These whole things that you've been talking about.
1: We do it as leaders, as adults. We expect it of those that we work with. Right. And we create the environment to support it. Yes. That's the key here. And I do think, I mean, this may be our most subversive topic yet. I think this is just one of the things that I think so many organizations, for lots of reasons, some of which may be good at times in the moment, fall back on policy procedure handbooks totally. and things to tell people how to do that how to be how to do their thing rather than raising the level of expectation and accountability on everyone in the organization right which is so hard and so scary and so so powerful
0: when you do it that way when you yeah. when you are willing to lean in and like create a culture that does that leaning in where they everybody is being an adult or working on something that's that growth mindset they're all working on how can i be more of an adult how can i treat people more like an adult how can i create a culture where it's psychologically safe yeah. for people to be independent independent cuz i'm adults. gonna tell you
1: like i just just to put a pen in this thought but when you're a part of this organization that does this oh man it feels so good ah oh.
0: Oh, it's scary, too, though.
1: It's scary. It's
0: scary, too, but because you, know you, you can't hide. About, you can't, you oh, can't hide. You can't
1: hide in this kind of organization. No. But it feels so good. You feel so valued and respected and trusted and able to lean on each other. It's this amazing, powerful feeling in a culture that actually operates this way. It's so an, good.
0: It's amazing. And that those organizations, those cultures they win. achieve great things. And they're resilient through they're so hard rezoned. times.
1: All right, so this I love this conversation. This has been one of my favorites this season, maybe. Uh, now I love them all. I do. You do. You I love do them all. I do love them all. But it's so good. But next week, I actually want to talk about something a little different. I want to shift uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about career paths mm. and yeah, enabling nice. career paths because I think this is one of the another challenge that I, I, I talk about a lot with um, with up and coming leaders who want kind of a linear. Like, I do this, and I have this career ladder, and I do this, and I get to the next step. And, you know, I'm a manager, and I want to be a senior manager and an associate director and kind of, like, follow this path. And the reality is most leaders I know, most senior leaders I know, have a very kind of lateral, diagonal, like, linear paths are very unusual. And they're actually not that much fun. Yeah, right. there's, There's a lot of opportunity, or there's, yeah, there's a lot of joy and fulfillment and finding this different path and opportunity. opening yourself up
0: to opportunity. Love it. Love it. We have a lot to say about this. We yeah, do. Yeah. We yeah, do. Yeah. I know you've
1: worked with a lot of leaders on this. Thank you as always for the conversation.
0: Yeah, thank you, Ken. I really appreciate um, it.
1: As always, all of our content is on www.itsnotpersonal.net. That's we great. love comment and feedback. Uh, you could reach either of us there or sethrigoletti.com where yeah. there's more information about your upcoming book. All of our podcasts are Yeah out on Spotify and Apple and all the places you can get podcasts. Um, your book is uh, Into the Wolf and I'm super excited about these, these thank, use cases. Thank you,
0: Ken. Thank you so much for uh, promoting it, for, for kicking it out there. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's coming out. So uh, keep a, keep an eye out for it and and uh, subscribe to our podcast. If you haven't already, leave a comment. We'd love to see your comments. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, see you next week. See you next week.